0: One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, Turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had them there before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced. That he had become a believer in God. When the morning came, the magistrate sent to the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported the message to Paul, saying, The magistrate sent word to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul replied, They have beaten us in public, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And now they're going to discharge us in secret? Certainly not. Let them come and take us out themselves. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. After leaving the prison, they went to Lydia's home. And when they had seen and encouraged the brothers and sisters there, they departed. The word of the Lord. Okay, someone someone got it. This is Acts 16, chapter 16, 16 through 40. It's one of my favorite pieces of scripture. It always wasn't that way. I was actually uh, getting ready to start a Bible study in a jail, Whaley Jail in this city. And I was calling, actually not calling, my friend was calling me because he was incarcerated I had met this friend um, probably several years before through the DCF system. Tina and I were uh, looking at what we could do, um, maybe even being foster parents, and we ended up just mentoring someone. um, And this person made some bad decisions, had some bad circumstances, and ended up incarcerated. And so he called me probably every, every other day um, and picked up this one and said, hey, I have a few questions for you. You have some experience that I need to ask you about. I'm doing a prison Bible study tonight. It's my first one, like my first one in a jail. Like, what, what should I do it on? He said, well, there's this passage, Acts 16. It's a jailbreak passage. Really, T? Like, jailbreak? Like, are you, you sure about that one? you sure about that topic? He said, no, it's going to be really good. It's really encouraging. He's like, so I'm a black dude that's going to go in the jail, then do a, a jailbreak message, like with guards, like a few feet away? It doesn't seem exactly safe. He's like, no, trust me. Like, it's a good one. And I did it. And he was right. It was a good one. Like, it was a good Bible study. Not only did we actually sing, like, in the cell, modeling what was in the passage, not just hearing the word proclaimed, but actually demonstrating it, but we had to ask the question too. Like, yes, there are uh, walls around us. There are, uh, you know, not shackles on us, but we don't feel free here. But could there be a different kind of freedom that God blesses us with? I said that with fear and trembling, knowing I was going to walk home that night, at least I hope so but they most likely were gonna stay another night. And yet the word gave them hope. They did feel encouraged. They were blessed by this concept that I gave them of like, well, there can be some legal miracles. There can be some legal breakthroughs. There's a legal jailbreak, and we can pray for those. And I've seen so many Christian ministries where they say we pray actually for sentences to be eliminated, to be ended early, we pray. And we trust that God will do that. And we've seen that, actually, in both of our prison ministries at ECV. I definitely have heard so many more stories. And we even heard one last week. It wasn't one about being in prison and things getting loose, but actually, you know, even before someone went in, having it be much, much shorter than they thought. I believe in those miracles. But even more in believing that those miracles always happen or happen when we pray a certain way, I believe that we do have a jail-breaking God that breaks us out of shackles, breaks us out of systems, breaks us out of walls or prisons. I think that's part of what it means to believe in a resurrection story. That things aren't over, actually. Not even now, because of Easter and the good news, when there's death. It's not over yet. Your situation isn't over yet. What you're going through isn't over. And I think this story is for all of us because even if we're locked up, whether that's figuratively or literally, our futures aren't. And even if we're in jail cells, like my friend was who gave me this great wisdom and advice, told him that a few days later, I was like, dude, thank you. Even if we're in jail cells, we're still free. And even when the worst has arrived, joy is still an option. All of that might sound pretty fantastical, maybe too good to be true, but that's the story that we live in now, now that we're living in light of the resurrection. That's what's possible when we think about what it means to have resurrected lives, resurrected lives that can turn something like this and completely change it upside down. This new series that we're in, it's about being this kind of in-between space, knowing Jesus has been raised. And also knowing that in our church calendar, Pentecost is to come, but also just in real life, Pentecost has come, but still sometimes not feeling quite free, still feeling maybe a little bit in the tomb ourselves, still feeling locked up, but without hope. We're in an in-between time, and so we want to preach into that in-between time. We have the resurrection, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit that's inside of us, and yet we often don't feel that way. One of my favorite sayings that someone introduced to me recently is, if it took Jesus three days to get up, maybe it will take us some more. If the church waited for 50 days for the Holy Spirit, maybe it'll take a little bit longer for our body to wait for renewal, for resurrection power, for an experience of God that's not just individual, but it's communal as well. Maybe it'll be shorter too, but sometimes I like to bank on. Okay, three It's long when, you know, there's some tragic news. Fifty, definitely. But is there something that we can live into as we think about what it means to live in light of the resurrection? In many ways, the answer to that is simply to live the story of Jesus in community, now with the help of the Holy Spirit. This is the hope of Jesus after his resurrection. Because the Spirit raised him, the Spirit can raise us. Matt, next week we'll talk about another story in Acts, the story uh, of Saul. But there's some words that he gives about this. How it's so futile if we think about that there's no being raised because Jesus has been raised. So there's more. Oops. Um, there's words in 1 Corinthians that Paul says that I think are really powerful here. Listen to them with me. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in bays, vain. Skipping skip any of you verses. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Resurrected lives are our lives. And I take it that this passage isn't just about resurrecting the dead, but even the possibility of what it means to have renewal even when we feel like we're dying. Like we're suffering. Like we're crushed. Resurrection is possible even for us. And I think it's important as we look at this image to think is this us going in or is it us getting out? And sometimes how we are with Jesus determines what we think. Because of Jesus, these resurrected lives will defeat every ruler, every authority every power, even death, at the capital E end. And because the kingdom of God is at hand, even right now we're in a battle. Resurrected lives overcome death and evil, even as these dark forces still have real power in our day-to-day. So this week we're going to look a little bit more in Acts 16, next week a little bit more at Acts 9. What we're going to do after that is look at some topics that really can be hard ground for us as we think about what makes us maybe not believe in the resurrection as much. We can say on Sunday, we're worshiping, it's Easter, it's great, and then we can look at our wallet and say, there's been no resurrection here, <laughs> right? There's some practical topics that are often hot-button topics, often topics that we uh, can get concerned about. They can be topics that easily get us off of a path of resurrection. They're not bad of themselves, but things like sex, money, or power, they're things that we need to tend to, to believe in the resurrection, to see what God will do even in those places. So that's what we'll do for our series, two stories looking at Acts today and next week, and then looking at some topics before we actually hit Pentecost. So would you join me in prayer as we begin to talk a little bit more about Acts 16? God, thank you for being here. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your resurrection. God, you are good. Help us see that and believe it. Help us trust you from places of hurt, of sadness, where people have wronged us. Help us see good news even in unlikely places. Would you do that work today? In Jesus' name, amen. So in Acts 16, we see how freedom from death marks a resurrected life. Paul and Silas are walking in an empowered way. There are these two main characters we have here. And because they, I think, have seen this before, they've seen Jesus' resurrection power, and they're simply living out the story of Jesus. There's another person we see in our story, this enslaved girl who sees how her life changes when someone brings freedom to her story. It's only at that point that her true value is exposed, and it sets this whole story into motion. We also see a jailer who's a cog in the machinations of death, and he sees the difference between the fruit of freedom versus the work of death, the freedom of this new God that he's being introduced to and this old master that he served that would make him kill himself for fear of, I guess, seeing that master and saying, I didn't do what I should have done. Let's step into their stories a little bit. This will be simple, just reading scripture together, offering some thoughts, and then seeing what it means for us, mostly through prayer ministry, what God will do amongst us. So today we'll just learn, uh, or cover three things, (laughs) that freedom has a cost, that freedom allows shackles, but never limits imagination for God's rescue, and that freedom bears the fruit of mercy. Freedom has a cost. Freedom allows jails and shackles, but never limits imagination for God's rescue. Freedom bears the fruit of mercy. And you'll see that each one is kind of connected to a story from Acts 16, as we've read it, uh, a character, uh, a main person we're looking at. One of the questions I love to ask about this passage is, why do Paul and Silas get into trouble? Like, why do they get into trouble? And sometimes, you know, I don't, no one's super over-eager right now. Sometimes when I ask that, I'll actually just ask people. And a lot of the responses I get is something like, well, they're, they're preaching the gospel, and they're proclaiming the gospel. I say, cool, I'm not going to say right or wrong or anything, but just like, tell me more about what that means. It's like, well, they're, they're telling about Jesus. They're telling the story of Jesus. And certainly that's in the book of Acts. But in this chapter, I don't see it as much. Like the with your word story part, Right seems more like an action. And it's weird even, like an action that comes from annoyance. Like you'd like to think that Paul would be so kind and compassionate. That he sees someone that's, enslaved. he's like, I got to do something to fix that. Honestly, sometimes you just got to look at the text, right? It, it just says like, he got annoyed. What? Stop saying I'm the most, you're blowing my cup. What are you doing? Just get out of her. And his annoyance does Something. Something, again, that's pretty profound in the whole story. It's not that he proclaimed the good news of Jesus or told them they would get to heaven a certain way or said their sins would be forgiven. What he did was just say, get out of this woman. And then what did that do? After she was freed, delivered, this demon that did some kind of weird divination or fortune-telling thing, it wasn't in her anymore. And what happened? To other people who saw her wrongly, she lost her value. A system that she was under, really of trafficking, got disrupted. Why did Paul and Silas go to prison? I think it's about money, y'all. Follow the cash trail. Follow the dollar. To people that could only see a human body is just making money for them, this story should feel familiar to many of us. For many reasons as soon as there was freedom those bodies and these stories became incredibly costly they're going to do what here in whose name then we've got to get at them you can't destroy our economy you can preach whatever you want you can say whatever you want go to church on sunday go inside a room people might not see you but start messing with the town square we're going to have some problems this is some preaching if you're listening This is about money. The enslaved girl was how her owners made that money. And deliverance cost them something. Paul's obedience and the power he had cost them something. Think about how sick that is, that that's why they get offended. It's not because of religious fidelity to another supernatural deity. It's about the flow and the disruption of it. One of the bottom lines here in terms of resurrected lives is that free people, free people mess things up by being free and promoting freedom in the name of Jesus. They mess things up by being free. That's part of what happened with Paul. In the name of Jesus, get out and in a system not just a demon, flew away. We see it here. But when our owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. The conflict is in the marketplace. And in a society controlled by death, it's dangerous to speak the name of Jesus and promote freedom but a different kind of freedom than I think we're usually used to. There's some cool stories of this in churches. Churches that say when there's laws against criminalizing homelessness, let's go to folks who are homeless. Let's minister. Let's put our bodies on the line and show up in public space and say we will do the work of Jesus. In doing so, they're breaking something, but they're also obeying God. I've heard of other cool stories related to immigration where people were allowed to do public testimony and people just prayed, using words from Leviticus like, treat your neighbor in the same way that you would want to be treated, or treat a foreigner like they're a citizen. And there's a story, this is right around the time that DACA was passed, where young folk that didn't have citizenship got this status. Right around that time, there was a judge that said, I don't agree with you. Like I hate this, but you guys just keep praying, so have it. it wasn't, that's not how DACA got passed. DACA, some people in the back room might say it's similar, but it was a different one. But he really did. He's like, you guys just keep praying. You keep showing up. He's in Arizona. What happens when we promote freedom in the name of Jesus, divorce a system from an individual, but just keep praying and being free ourselves? What would happen in a society controlled by death? I think it would be something dangerous, but something good. This is part of what resurrected lives run amok look like. That's really all we're doing today, is just saying what happens when resurrected lives run amok. Freedom allows shackles, but never limits imagination for God's rescue. I love reading scripture and looking at how different my responses would be than the story or the person I'm reading. I'm like, this is not me. Not at all. Not in any way. It's not even close. I love this first paragraph, right? Paul and Silas taken out before magistrates. There's men disturbing cities, advocating customs. The crowd now joins in attacking them. Magistrates had them stripped of clothing, ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they'd given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison, ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell, fasten their feet in the stocks. Not only are they in a jail, not only do they have you know, something around them to say you can't move, they're actually literally fastened, right? And then the next line. For me, it's, and then Josh complains, and then he greatly weeps, and then he sobs, and then he tries to like, call out for Tina, and then like, it's just, it would just be bad, right? Like Nothing good would come in that next sentence. It would just be bad things. What is the next line we get? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Whew, I love this chapter. It's just so good. Like, It's not just that they're singing, right? But other people are already listening. It's not that it's days later, but it's midnight. It's actually an hour of prayer for them. Let's keep watch. Let's do what we usually do, even though now the circumstances have changed. We're imprisoned. But let's do the same thing that we did in the light, that we'll do in the dark. These disciples, their conditions don't determine their mood And I wonder for us, when we are imprisoned by a bad situation, maybe like some of the friends I've been talking about these last two weeks, actually incarcerated, do we get imprisoned by other devils, by other dark forces who might even make things worse than they already are? Right? Like something's bad, but then you start complaining. You start losing hope. You start acting out, sabotaging, scapegoating. And all of a sudden, you've made more of a mess than you were even in. Usually at this point, I do a Pokemon joke of like the Pokemon joke, or the Pokemon uh, hurts themselves in the confusion. Like they're confused, now they hurt themselves. I didn't do it today, but I guess I still told the joke without the slide. Sorry, not sorry. But it's true. Oftentimes we hurt ourselves not by the first order of what's happened, but by the second order of how we're responding. The disciples show us a different way through a resurrected life. They sing. It's even a scripture in the Pauline epistles. Like when you're filled up with the spirit, you sing. Maybe they're singing because it's their habit. Maybe they're singing because they do have a deep well of joy. Maybe they're singing because they're trying to believe their way back into faith. And either way, their song's giving hope for other people, to other people. And remember, we never start our song alone. Like, we never have to muster up strength to sing by ourselves. Like, that's not what happened here. Like, they didn't sing on their own. They didn't sing by themselves. There's always another song going on in the background. There's always a song we join in on. I love this beautiful verse from an ancient prophecy in the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. <clears throat> Are you all ready to be sung over and then to simply join in? Are you ready to be sung over even if the circumstances look like this? Or does this steal your song? Does bad treatment steal your song? Does being wronged steal your song? That, that would make sense. Like, that's understandable. But part of resurrected lives I mean death isn't the end. The offense wasn't the end. The person that wronged you wasn't the end. The real wrong, the real thing someone did against you, it's not the end. Something else. Maybe it's the beginning of letting someone sing over you. So I want to give you a little practice this week as we can look at our you know, jolly little, I don't know what cartoon that's from. Something. It's hard to find art on YouTube, right? Hard to find art on Google. <clears throat> More commentary on that that I won't give, but never mind. But I, I want to give you a challenge this week. What's a way that you could actually have something sung over you? Maybe it's that you do sing yourself. Maybe you are lucky to have a roommate, someone that actually does sing. Congrats. Maybe you just have access to a phone, to YouTube. I actually want to challenge you this week. When you're feeling a circumstance wash over you, when you're feeling that maybe familiar way of losing your grip, maybe becoming more anxious, yeah, you can read Zephaniah 317 if you want and just read it. But sometimes we don't actually dig into the power that ancient communities had. A lot of people didn't read anything. It was read over them. It was sung over them. It wasn't word. It was verse. It was lyric. Let a song wash over you this week in a time of stress or trouble. And see, maybe just see, what it does. Because it turns out this does something in the kingdom. We see that there was an earthquake, this is in 26, so violent the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. There's one word I love there that I just read, everyone's. It's not just Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas do an act that brings other people in to a different kind of freedom. Y'all see how this would be good for a prison Bible study? It's really good. It's really good, y'all. We're just doing Bible study together. It's not just the religious people. It's not the people that got there on a certain way, like, okay, like, how'd you get in jail? Well, you know, we actually freed this person from, you know, a kind of like demon, I guess, and we are just obeying God. It's like, well, what about you? I mean, I stole some things, like did something wrong, like beat someone up. Like, it's not that only some have their fastens unchained. But it's that everyone does. It's almost like living in this resurrection, living in freedom, there's almost like a stream where other people move with you. I love that. And that continues. The next one, freedom bears the fruit of mercy. This next person that we see The jailer. What good can come from the jailer? Isn't the story over? There's like a jailbreak. There was powerful prayer. You know, there's going to be some freedom maybe. But this jailer, he's a bad guy. He's just following these orders. He's doing uh, just nasty stuff. Come on. But that's not the end of the story. We see here again that this jailer woke up. He saw the prison doors wide open. And he thought about one thing. His job. His job his head, his reputation. He said, you know what? I'll do the deed myself. Because he had no imagination for what? For mercy. He had no imagination for mercy, and so he was about to take his life. If part of what we see resurrected lives do is stand in the way of death, we see this man was basically joining in. Not in resurrection, but literally just in his own capital punishment. And I want us to feel something right here in this moment, right here in this beat. That this jailer is a real person. This jailer is a real person in our city. This jailer is a real person in our world. This jailer might be a real person in this room. People that do a wrong thing and say, Punish me, make it hurt, because they have no imagination for mercy. They're stuck in cycles of shame, of anxiety, and depression. And here you are hearing what? Some good news of a jailbreak, out of shame, out of anxiety, out of depression. And the question is, how will you pay that good news forward? Because this jailer is stuck, and he's not even the one in jail. Can you see that? And you have some news that either you're trying to follow, or you're just hearing about for the first time, maybe that you're resisting. But there's something here for you, just like there's something here for this jailer. And Paul interrupts, if you know me, you know I love that, he interrupts what was going to happen. He says, no, 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 look, we're we're still here. And again, sometimes you look at scripture and you don't see yourself, that happened again. Because Paul wasn't like about to go, like he wasn't like going and then got caught, hey, no, we, we didn't leave. That's like, he's like, you know, got everything in his bag. Paul actually made an intentional act to just wait. I would do no such thing. I would be out of there. I would have run. Like, yes, like this open door, like a jailer that's asleep. This is my miracle story. No second thought. Paul is intentionally obedient. I will wait. Because there's more than my own life I'm trying to save tonight. There's more than Silas's life I'm trying to save tonight. I love that about the Bible. We see that so many times. Like The person that we're reading about. That is inspired by Jesus or even Jesus Himself, they're actually looking to save other lives in their own. As habit, as discipline, like as a thing they're doing. Paul and Silas do the same. They wait. And in their waiting, they see what happens. The jailer instantly has this moment where they don't even, again, communicate the story of the gospel or what Jesus did or talk about the forgiveness of sins. The act itself is the mercy. And he says what? What must I do to be saved? What must I do? Because he wants rescue. And then it's only then that they say, well, here's the story. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house And then at the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized. It's like, wait, where did his family come from? I think when you have good news, when you experience mercy, what do you do? You share it. You spread it. You let people know, I would have died tonight, fam, but I was rescued. I would have died tonight, fam, but there was mercy for me. And so I needed to share that with you. And they were all baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. They're having a meal. It's another kind of communion. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. This is what's possible. This jailer taking a moment of wondering what is going to happen to my own life. I feel like the failure is too much, the shame is too much. And all of a sudden, he has a second chance. We think about the power that happens in freedom. This is words from Paul in Galatians. The power that happens in freedom where Paul says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Our freedom isn't for getting away scot-free ourselves. Our freedom is about serving one another, even to the point of cost. After all, that's what Jesus did. For the rest of our time, I just want us to step into a place of imagining a little bit. Not imagining something fake, but imagining, like, with your own life, your own story. I heard uh, a good illustration for for Easter, and I didn't steal it. It's just the week after Easter, so now I'm stealing it, but not exactly telling it the way that he did. It's a story, just to give it away, of, you know, the super bloom, right? Have you heard this? like this super bloom like in the desert, Desert Valley in California. Like, There's something that it looks like before where there's no rain. There's sort of like no hope for the land. And even when it rains, it still looks like this until all of a sudden it blooms. And it turns into that. Isn't that gorgeous? So this just happened like I think like a week or two weeks ago. That was amazing. Whoever did that, like, whoa! (laughs) That's awesome. Picture's worth a thousand words. And so, essentially, you can maybe see how this would tie into, like, an Easter sermon, right? Like, our lives sometimes feel like they're, like, you know, cracked and hardened. And then all of a sudden, like, Jesus does his thing. And then, boom! Super bloom. And it's true. Like, it is true, right? It is true. But I found, honestly, if I'm being completely honest with you, one of the hardest things for me to do as I keep pastoring is to sometimes do Easter sermons. Truly. Now, I, last week, I think God spoke. I think there there's some good things there. But it's because sometimes we so want to idolize this without being real about what our lives actually look like. Like, we're living this. And then we just kind of, like, fantasize or idolize this. And we try it for a few weeks. We kind of got to get some muscle behind it, get some energy. Like, it's Easter! Like, Resurrection, Like we got this, I got this, it's me. Oh, we gotta change the story a little bit, right? And it's just hard, it's still inspiring, God's still in it, God still uses it. But I wonder if there's something about resurrected lives where we can take horrible circumstances, like beating, like flogging, like jail, like the discipline of staying in the cell, even though you could get out, you see the way, you don't know what the jailer will do, you haven't read the story, and you're just stuck because you wonder, God, will you be good this time in the way that I'm hoping you will be? You've taught me the way of mercy, I'm gonna to try to show it, but the last time I did this, some guy just punched me in the face. Could I? Could I be faithful? Could I remain? And you don't know. Like, that's our lives. And sometimes when we look at this, it feels like a cheat can feel like a scandal. And it is important to remember that that is the end. There's so much hope for me in that. like That is the end. But what about right now? And then I look at something like this, where there's just a few little ones that are making their way through concrete, making their way through the cracked, the cracked dirt. And I, I don't know if you're disappointed by this versus the Super Bloom, but I think there's something you can see, which is if you just maybe start to focus, if we start to focus on the fact that it is possible that the resurrection is real, but it might start at one area of our lives and then move on, and it might not be all about us, but maybe we find our little bit, a flower, or our patch, and then we add someone else's, and then we see what it will become. I wish I had, like, an amazing story about Whaley Jail, but I don't. Like, we're not even back in, like, after COVID. I wish I had an amazing story about the person that told me to go to this, or to tell the story in Act 16. Y'all, I don't know if he's alive or dead. I know the exact moment I got his last call. If you want to, you can ask me about it later. I haven't heard from him since. There's something about resurrected lives that's so powerful for me. Because after Easter, death doesn't stop. But our choice, hope, faith, and still that love I was talking about last week, it continues. But we have to believe in a different way on this side of things. So the resurrection matters more than ever. It's out there and it's in us. But will we look for it? Will we hold on while in jail? Will we believe that rescue is coming? I'm gonna pray for us now you might have your own story what's personal to you I know I have mine Holy Spirit thank you that there's more than proclamation that you spirit have been doing things and are doing things right now I want you, God, I'm asking you, God, to give us the kind of courage uh, to be people who bend down low for that one small flower, even though we believe in the super bloom. It can feel so foolish to bend down low for one. when we have this thought that, God, shouldn't there be so much more? that's a question that you're bringing today. I want you to open your hands. God, I'm not sure if I'm ready to bend down low for one, but it's definitely hard because I'm believing for more and I'm often not seeing it. If that's you, I just want you to open up your hands. I just want to pray the Holy Spirit would fill you today. You don't need to stand. You don't need to put your hand up but open up your palms if that's you. Holy Spirit, right now I ask that you would fill these ones. You would fill them, God. Fill them up, God. Give them the rain from your Spirit. Give them a ministry of abundance in the face of scarcity. Bless them, God, with an abundant imagination for what you can do with little. Bless them, Lord, with abundant hope of what you can do and who you are in the face of lies and accusation. Bless them, God, to receive when it can feel so costly to do that. Before we have someone to share words, I just want to share one more invitation, and this can be something that you just get prayer around, just consider part of the list. I just feel like there is a word for people who, you've just been lacking hope. If you've been lacking hope, I encourage you to get prayer. There's like a, something I feel like I'm just sensing from God like this sense of like it's almost like you've been learning reasons not to hope. It's like there's like this school thing and I'm like is it a student? I don't think it's I mean, I don't think it's that. I think it's like it feels almost like it's been a school. Like you've been getting a lesson why not to hope. And if you relate to that, like you've just had thing after thing after thing, I feel like the Lord wants to stop that, wants to intervene and to say there's something new for you.